0: Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal-part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the chews to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss. That's T O T U M V O S at GetChews.com. That's Get C H E W Use code Doctor that's D-R-D-I-V-A for an additional 10% off your first order.
1: Approximately 90% of all thyroid conditions are autoimmune. So most people who have hypothyroidism actually have Hashimoto's, and most people have hyperthyroidism have Graves. There are definitely exceptions, um, but unfortunately, when it comes to hypothyroidism, not all medical doctors do further testing to diagnose someone with Hashimoto's. So sometimes a person will just be put on thyroid hormone replacement and, and might never get diagnosed with Hashimoto's or sometimes it might be five, 10, 15 years.
0: Hello, this is Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I'm joined with Dr. Eric Osansky. He's a chiropractor, a clinical nutritionist, and a certified functional medicine practitioner who helps people recover from thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. He is author of the books, Natural Treatment Solutions for Hyperthyroidism and Graves' Disease and Hashimoto's Triggers. Dr. Osansky was personally diagnosed in 2008 with Graves' disease. And after taking a natural approach, he's been in remission since 2009. After seeing how well natural treatment methods helped with his condition, he began helping others with different types of thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions, including hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease, hypothyroidism, and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Dr. Eric, how are you today? Thank you so much for joining me.
1: I'm doing well, Dr. Diva. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, to this opportunity to educate your listeners.
2: Yep. You know, and I want to be open and honest when it comes to thyroid issues. I even when I was in medical school, I could never ever like figure this stuff out. I mean, it was it's easy enough, but it's sometimes can be very confusing. And and if I'm confused as a physician, I can only imagine you know, what the listeners are like and what people who actually have thyroid conditions are actually facing on a day-to-day basis. Like, what do you eat? What do you do? How do you, you know, what medicines to, you know, to take and how long for? And, and it's just so confusing. So I'm really glad we have the opportunity to take a deep dive into thyroid dysfunction, but I'd love to hear your story. And then you have an amazing story about how you were diagnosed and you went into remission. So please uh, share with us the story.
1: Sure. So I'm a doctor of chiropractic, graduated from chiropractic school in 1999 and and just had a typical chiropractic practice, just helping people with musculoskeletal conditions, neck and back pain and headaches. And then in 2008 is when I was diagnosed with initially hyperthyroidism and it just was random. I was in a Sam's club, just Well, I wasn't diagnosed with hyperthyroidism in the Sam's Club, but I was walking around in a Sam's Club and uh, took my blood pressure at one of those automated blood pressure machines. And my blood pressure was okay, but my resting heart rate was elevated. And I was also losing weight at the time, but I was dieting and detoxifying. So I attributed the weight loss to that. Uh, But with the elevated heart rate, that was concerning. And I took it myself the next few days and, you know, just it was still elevated. So I, so a doctor diagnosed me with hyperthyroidism, eventually saw an endocrinologist who did further testing to diagnose me with Graves disease. And it, at that time I was not familiar with, with hyperthyroidism, Graves disease, but I did know I was going to take a natural approach just because as a chiropractor, most of my continuing education credits was in nutrition. I, I attended a couple of functional endocrinology seminars. And so I knew I was going to take a natural approach. Now I didn't have any idea whether or not it would work, whether I would be able to get into remission naturally. But fortunately, everything worked out well. I did clean up my diet, you know, did other things from a lifestyle perspective, took some supplements, and you know, just again made a lot of changes. And of course, we could talk more about this. Uh, but yeah, long story short, since 2009, I've been in remission and shortly after that i started to work with others with thyroid and autoimmune conditions not only hyperthyroidism graves but as you mentioned hypothyroidism hashimotos as well
0: mhm
2: well, so let's talk into the different types of thyroid dysfunction so you know there's hypothyroidism hyper there's graves and hashimotos can we talk about a little bit of each and in, in you know kind of symptoms uh, of
1: of one and the other sure so what hypothyroidism Typically what we see is as far as lab findings, we'll see low thyroid hormone levels. Sometimes they're within the lab range, but less than optimal. Sometimes they're overtly low, Uh, but usually medical doctors diagnose it more based on the TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. And so when that is elevated outside of the lab reference range, again, there's optimal and lab reference ranges, but medical doctors usually go by the lab range when we see elevated TSH, that's usually what's diagnosed as hypothyroidism. And some of the common symptoms include fatigue, brain fog, weight gain, uh, coldness in the hands and feet, for example, Uh, sometimes hair loss, uh, brittle nails, constipation. And with hyperthyroidism, we have the opposite findings on, on the lab. So we have Typically elevated thyroid hormone levels, so T three T four will be high on the blood test, and TSH will be depressed, usually undetectable. And as far as symptoms, so like when I dealt with hyperthyroidism, some of the symptoms I dealt with, which were pretty classic of hyperthyroidism, included elevated resting heart rate, palpitations. I had some tremors. I lost a lot of weight. Not everybody with Graves or hyperthyroidism loses weight, but I lost. 42 pounds. Um, So yeah, a lot of weight and uh, voracious appetite. Uh, Some people have loose stools, diarrhea, hair loss is pretty common. Some people also have what's called thyroid eye disease, which is more closely associated with graves, where you have like bulging of the eye, swelling, sometimes double vision. And so those are some of the symptoms associated with hyperthyroidism. And as far as Graves, Hashimoto's, so these are autoimmune thyroid conditions and uh, approximately 90% of all thyroid conditions are autoimmune. So most people who have hypothyroidism actually have Hashimoto's and most people who have hyperthyroidism have Graves. There are definitely exceptions, um, but unfortunately, when it comes to hypothyroidism, not all medical doctors do further testing to diagnose someone with Hashimoto's. So sometimes a person will just be put on thyroid hormone replacement and and might never get diagnosed with Hashimoto's, or sometimes it might be 5, 10, 15 years. Um, With hyperthyroidism, the symptoms are more prominent. And in most cases, the medical doctor will test to see if someone has Graves' disease. And and as far as autoimmunity goes with as far as what is Hashimoto's, that's when the immune system attacks the thyroid gland and causes damage over time. And this is what's responsible for the thyroid hormone lowering over the years. And then what graves, you have the immune system attacking the TSH receptors and that's what causes the excess production of thyroid hormone. Got it.
2: And then I know we were talking just briefly about the last, the T4, T3. Um, so which of the of the two do we typically... Obtain for purposes that are active versus inactive, and then there's also a reverse t three which not all physicians get but so what does that mean when that is obtained and what is it in reference to?
1: yeah, good question so so a lot of medical doctors just test that TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, and that's the again the pituitary hormone, so it's more of a signaling hormone, but then there's t four and t three so t four Thyroxin and then T3 is the active form of thyroid hormone. Um, unfortunately, most medical doctors will... Well, it, it depends on a doctor. Some doctors will, even conventional doctors, some of them will test T4, T3, but some of them will just look at TSH and T4, but not T3. And uh, a good number of people have what's called a conversion problem. T4 has to convert into T3 or most of T3 comes from this conversion, not all of it. Some of it is directly produced from the thyroid gland, but most of it is through that conversion process. And again, a lot of people have that conversion issue. And so if doctors are just looking at TSH and T4, then they're missing, uh, in some cases, a piece of the puzzle with the T3. And then, um, you know, so reverse T3, that's like an inactive byproduct of T3 and unfortunately, again, most medical doctors don't test for reverse T3, and that could be elevated if someone has a conversion problem as well. Um, there's other like high cortisol problems with stress can cause high T3, reverse T3. Uh, I it's very common with hyperthyroidism. Honestly, I've stopped testing it in my hyperthyroid patients just because just about everybody is elevated in a reverse T3. Uh, I find it more helpful with those with. Hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, just because again, if they have that elevated reverse T3, that could be you know connected with that conversion problem. Also could relate to the adrenals, even though I do recommend usually testing adrenals separately.
2: Got it. And when you are treating folks, I'm sure people are coming to you that are already on some sort of pharmaceuticals for hypothyroidism specifically. And so, you know, those are some of the conventional treatments, and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing others, but give us an idea what some of the things that are people commonly on when they come from a Western medicine allopathic physician. And do you typically continue these medicines or do you take them off and then try other modalities to adjust for the thyroid dysfunction?
1: Yeah. So, what, well, what my background, I never tell anybody to stop taking the medication. So, if they're on, Thyroid hormone replacement or antithyroid medication, I never tell them to stop, but a, a lot of people with hypothyroidism Hashimoto's are on um, thyroid hormone replacement and uh, usually synthetic thyroid hormones so' it's levothyroxine, um, synthroid being the most common brand uh, and then there's also desiccated thyroid which um, is porcine based so from a pig and that has both t four t three as well as t one t two calcitonin but um but some examples armor nature thyroid wp thyroid mp thyroid and so i mean there there's no replacement for thyroid hormones so there are people who definitely need thyroid hormone and if if someone comes in with hashimotos and they're on it you know again i'll, I'll never tell anyone to stop taking medication but even if i Either way, the goal is to try to address the underlying cause of the problem. So with Hashimoto's, again, it's an immune system condition. So even if someone needs thyroid hormone replacement, the goal is to address the immune system. And what what hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease, uh, so a lot of people, when they see me, they're already on antithyroid medication, such as methimazole. Um, there's also PTU, which is uh, sometimes given, but more frequently methimazole because it usually has less side effects. Um, in some other countries, like in Europe, they carbimazole, which converts into methimazole. But again, there is a time and place for these medications. When I dealt with hyperthyroidism, I chose to take an herb called bugleweed, which has antithyroid properties. And so I did not take the medication. Now, if the bugleweed wasn't effective, I would have taken the methimazole. I, I did have my endocrinologist, the endocrinologist I saw, she did write a prescription, but I Already knew about bugleweed from, you know, from attending the the conferences and my own research, and you know, so I decided to take the bugleweed, give that a try, um, and then I added another herb called motherwort. Which uh, when I took the bugleweed, it definitely helped, uh, um, help with the symptoms, the hyperthyroid symptoms, but I still had some palpitations, heart palpitations, so I added the motherwort. Which um, also supports the cardiovascular system, kind of like a natural beta blocker. Obviously, not the same as like propranolol or atenolol, but um, but anyway. So it's a bugweed motherwort. But a lot of my patients already are taking the anti-thyroid medication, and if they're doing fine on the medication, if there's no side effects, I mean, if there are side effects, I'll refer them back to the prescribing doctor. But if they're doing fine, I'll say you know probably a good idea to stay on the medication, and let's we could still. Address the cause of the problem, and um, yeah. So it really depends. It depends on the person. If someone comes and see me, and if they're not taking anything, you know, let's say again, they have hyperthyroidism, they're not on anything. You know, sometimes they still will take the antithyroid medication, but many times they're not taking anything because they they've read about the side effects, or you know, and or they're just not into taking medication, and so they or they might have read my story about myself taking weed. So, in that case, I have no problems, you know, just um, giving them recommendations to be on the herbs. Uh, So, again, it really does depend on the person. But again, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's typically thyroid hormone replacement, hyperthyroidism, um, Graves, antithyroid medication. And and one other thing I'll add is that, again, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, usually thyroid hormone replacement is the only treatment option that's given. Um, Again, it might be synthetic or natural, but with hyperthyroidism, um. Besides the antithyroid medication, there's also radioactive iodine, which is pretty much uh, ablating the thyroid gland, and then thyroid surgery, so removing the thyroid gland. So, you know, everything's risk versus benefits. But my my job is to try to pre- prevent as many people with hyperthyroidism from receiving a radioactive iodine and thyroid surgery. And again, if they need to take the medication to te- you know temporarily take the medication to prevent that from happening, from getting those procedures. Then again, to me, it's 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 worth doing, um, and also you know again risk versus benefits. Unmanaged hyperthyroidism, you know, there's also risks of decreased bone density, you know, cardiovascular risks, uh, you know, arrhythmias for example, thyroid storm, which is a medical emergency. Um, so you want to be safe, you know. And again, pe- some people could accomplish that through the herbs; others will need the medication. And um, so that's pretty much my perspective on the conventional medical treatment.
0: Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. Are there risks if you
2: are combining the herbs with conventional pharmaceutical medications for
1: treatments? So you know, as far as like bugleweed, like the herbs for mm-hmm. symptom management, um. I wouldn't say there's risks. I mean, the risks come when someone's symptoms. So, yeah. So, if someone has unmanaged hyperthyroidism, like again, sometimes the herbs don't work. And that's, you know, that could definitely pose a risk. Um, but there are some people who will want to take, like, they might be on antithyroid medication and they want to get off the antithyroid medication. Again, I can't tell them to stop. But what I will do sometimes is I will put them on bugleweed while they're still taking, let's say, the methimazole. And then the only really way to know if they, if the prescribing labs. doctor can lower the yeah, dose of the, yeah, exactly, is through the, the labs. And then um, there are some people who are on the methimazole and they might still have some palpitations and they don't want to have their doctor increase the dosage. So maybe um, they'll take motherwort along with the um, the antithyroid medication, so so yeah, there are there. Sometimes I wouldn't say there's necessarily risk. The risk is when you know when again you you have unmanaged hyperthyroidism and, and same with hypothyroidism. I mean, h- hyperthyroidism, I think there's greater risk, but low if thyroid hormone gets too low, that's that's not a good thing either. Right. So, um, but like but as I mentioned, with hypothyroidism, there really isn't an herbal replacement for thyroid hormone you know, again, there's more natural options such as the, you know, nature thyroid, WP thyroid, MP thyroid. And, you know, there are glandulars out there too that don't require prescription, but they all have thyroid hormone.
0: Right.
2: And then I didn't know the high percentage that these thyroid disorders, whether it's hypo or hyper were autoimmune based, you were saying it's 90%. I had no idea it was that high. So what other means can we treat this besides the herbs and conventional pharmaceuticals.
1: Yeah, so the, the goal while managing the symptoms, whether it's through the pharmaceuticals or through the herbs, you know, we want to try to address the cost of the problem. So how do we accomplish that? So so there, there is what's called the triad of autoimmunity that sometimes I, I bring up. And the triad of immunity, the triad of autoimmunity, there's three components necessary for autoimmunity to develop. And uh, So one is a genetic predisposition. And of course, we can't do anything for the genetics, but fortunately, we can find or remove the trigger. And that's the second component of the triad is is one or more environmental triggers. And then the third component is an increase in intestinal permeability, which is also a, a leaky gut. And so we want to find or remove the triggers as well as heal the gut. And as far as the different types of triggers, there's four categories of triggers I talk about. Um, so one, food. Uh, so common food allergens, gluten, dairy, corn. You know, can potentially be a trigger. And um, stress also. Stress can, you know, uh, cause dysregulation of what's called the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which can cause a pro-inflammatory cytokines, a pro-inflammatory state, increased pro-inflammatory cytokines. And could be a factor with autoimmunity, and then we have um, a, a third trigger would be chemicals. So mercury, uh, which could be found in like mer- a lot of people still unfortunately have mercury amalgams. Also fish, which is a source of methyl mercury, and then there's glyphosate, which um, I haven't seen evidence where it could be a direct trigger of autoimmunity, but it can. There is research showing it can disrupt the gut microbiome, uh, which again that, that's a factor with autoimmunity as well. And then a, a fourth trigger, one of the, the fourth main category of triggers infections. Um, so like, for example, gut infections such as H. pylori has been associated in the literature with both Graves and Hashimoto's, uh, Yersinia enterocolitica, which is another um, bacteria um, in the gut, and um, even viruses uh, such as Epstein-Barr. Um, there's a relation, potential relationship between Epstein-Barr and autoimmune conditions, Graves, Hashimoto's, even other autoimmune conditions. So um, so really it's trying to play detective to some extent, trying to, I mean, some of it is just diet and lifestyle. So just cleaning up your diet, managing your stress can make a big difference, but sometimes you need to dig deeper and, and you can't always go by symptoms. That's what makes it challenging. I've had patients where their gut seemed perfectly fine from a symptomatic standpoint. They weren't experiencing any symptoms, um, any digestive issues. They had regular bowel movements. Uh, Yet, you know, we did testing and then we found, you know, either H. pylori or a parasite or something else. Um, So again, that's another challenge is you you can't just go by symptoms. But yeah, so the goal in order to try to improve the health of their immune system and try to reverse that autoimmune component. Again, I, I don't like to use the word cure just because there is that genetic component and people can relapse. But to try to get to the point where I am, where you know, the person's in remission, you got to find, remove the triggers and you know, heal the gut.
2: And then once a person's in remission like yourself, do you have to follow some sort of maintenance protocol, whether it's with the herbs or whether it's with diet, or are you able to just go back to your you know, previous conventional
1: way of, of, of lifestyle? Yeah, I definitely have a healthier lifestyle than I did before Graves. Now, that being said, it wasn't, I didn't consider it to be terrible at the time, uh, at least compared to a lot of other people, because in chiropractic school, they of course teach you a lot about health, but still the diet wasn't where it should have been. You know, the stress management definitely wasn't there. I wasn't doing anything from a stress management perspective. And so, you know, again, 2009, so it's, you know, 12 years or so ago. uh, Yeah, I mean, I definitely eat better. I mean I, I'm not perfect with n- nobody's perfect with diet stress management, so I want to throw that out there too, so people don't think that if they you know fall off the wagon every now and then that they're going to relapse, everybody is different, and some people you know might need to be more strict than others so but but overall, I am pretty strict i I eat whole foods, you know try my best to avoid gluten, dairy, you know common allergens um, I do block out time for stress on a daily basis, get sufficient sleep um, I don't take the same. Herbs, same supplements that I did years ago. I do take some, but like bugleweed, motherwort, I haven't taken since two thousand nine. And uh, you know, so I, I took some other herbs and supplements at the time that I don't take, but but I still take things such as vitamin D. I take a probiotic and omega three, and a you know few few others. And um, so yeah, you know, it's lifestyle. So while you're trying to get into remission. I think it's important to be super strict. And when you're trying to maintain a state of wellness, I think there's more room to indulge. You just don't want to overdo it. And everybody's different. So some people might be able to get away with what others cannot get away with. Um, so I don't, again, I've fallen off the wagon a few times, but I'm pretty quick to get on the wagon, back on the wagon. So it's not like I'll fall off the wagon and eat crap for two or three months even if I go out of town, I try to eat healthy, but if I cheat and if I fall off the wagon for a few days, I'm usually pretty good about getting back. And I think that's what people just need to realize that it is a lifestyle change, but you don't have to be perfect after you're in remission.
2: Exactly. And that's, that's a key thing here too. So it's definitely a lifestyle change, but I'm always an advocate for the 80, 20 rule. You know, 80% of the time you're following strict diets and, you know, you know, really leading a healthy lifestyle, but of the time you have to live life, you know, you you can't always be at home and following the strict diet and you have people go out and travel and whatever. It's fine. But as long as you're staying ahead of the game and, and, um, you know, really have the best intentions to promote a healthy lifestyle for yourself, I think that's really important. Dr. Eric, so tell us about your book and how we can find your book online and, and how people can find you um,
1: if they're looking for your expertise. Sure. So both of my books can be found on Amazon. So Natural Treatment Solutions for Hyperthyroidism and Graves' Disease is uh, my book for, of course, hyperthyroid, um, people with hyperthyroidism. And then in 2018, I released the book Hashimoto's Triggers. Um, so again, both of those can be found on Amazon. And then uh, my website is naturalendocrinesolutions.com. And that's where people could learn more about me. And I have Hundreds of different articles related to thyroid health, you know, on on many different topics. So, um, and offer also a free guide that people could check out as well. Perfect. Perfect.
2: Well, Dr. Eric, thank you so much for joining us and giving us all this great, fantastic information about thyroid disorders. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Well, thanks again, Dr. Diva. I appreciate you having me as a guest.